0: We'll talk about risers and fallers for the 2024 NHL draft and which of them you should keep a watch on for the World Juniors. So That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects.
1: You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, And on today's show, we'll be breaking down some risers and fallers for the 2024 NHL Draft. We'll talk about some prospects who have either risen up our rankings recently or have kind of slipped down a bit. Uh, We'll also talk about which 2024 NHL draft prospects you should be watching at the World Juniors. Uh, we'll talk about everyone from Consta Helinias to Michael Branzak-Nugard, who we mentioned last show, uh, and everyone in between that's going to be at this tournament. But before we get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day so let's get right into it with the risers for the 2024 nhl draft um some prospects have bumped their stock really recently but we'll also talk about some prospects who kind of came out of nowhere and, and gave us a good show um since you know since we started scouting them back in june um you know we'll, we'll talk about some of these guys as well but i really want to start with the name that's risen the quickest in the last couple of months and for me it's zeev bouyam uh how do you feel about bouyam so far
1: William's excellent. He's been tremendous to watch over the last oh, yeah. couple of months and just seeing his game-to-game progression. I mean, he, he was excellent last year with the NTDP. Uh, I, over the summer, I was uh, I hadn't watched him too too in depth, but from what I had seen, I was very impressed. And I was a little bit confused as to why he was only kind of like teetering around like the mid to late 20s in most early rankings. And my early viewings kind of confirmed his his status as a first round talent at the very least, but <laughs> North America isn't my specific region this season with Dauber. I've been focusing more on the European side, but uh, it it was not particularly shocking to me when he started rocketing up all the boards and his production just being like well over a point a game as a freshman defenseman, which is insane. Yep. Uh, and yeah, he's been, he's been tremendous and I've liked his, his game at like, In all three zones so far this season, of course, his offensive game is his biggest strength, followed by his transition game, then his defensive game in that order, which is clear, but even in his own zone, he's been quite solid, at the very least, he's been composed, he uses his mobility really intelligently to solve problems, and while yes, he does skate himself into some problems at times, and there are turnovers, you can expect nothing else from a freshman defenseman in, in the NCAA, let alone one who is a draft eligible still. So yeah. I've been very impressed so far, but talk me through your recent viewing of uh, viewings of him, because I know you've caught quite a few. And how has he progressed since that beginning of the season and what makes him such a slam dunk top 10, top 12 talent right now?
0: Yeah, he's entered my top 10 fairly comfortably. Um, I think the very interesting thing of Ziv Bouyum is he's fully leaned into the offensive side of games. Um, basically has just been using his, the mobility that makes him such a really good gap closer and transition defender and used that to just kind of bolster his offensive game. Um, and I think that's re- really what I was looking for with Bouyum is I saw a player who's really good at closing gaps, is really good at, at manning transitions, but I didn't really see a guy who could see and think the game at an advanced level but you see him now and it's just every single shift i mean there was a game on ross recently where the the color the color commentator for for um for denver uh, university was just like if there's any player i want from this denver lineup with the puck and a stick in the last minute of the game it's zeev booyan and i'm like this is a freshman defenseman in the ncaa this makes no sense yeah he's he's really really fun Um, I'm, I'm, I've been really excited with the the type of hockey he's been playing and the way he's molded his game to kind of fit more of a, more of a style that works with his strengths. Um, he's a player who tried to play a physical game when he doesn't really have that edge. Now he's mainly like he's layering stick and body, but he's going into checks with a stick first. And that's allowed him to separate pucks from opponents a lot more regularly. Um, even though, like I said, he's leaning a lot more into the offensive game, he's activating every chance he gets. He's pushing hard to the to, the, to between the dots when you know when when a puck goes up when it, when a forward joins him at the at the point. He's just beelining for the for the net front, which is not something you see often from from defensemen. Um, he's leaned into that side of the game really hard, and I find that really interesting within his game. Um, but yeah, that brings us to Zane Parekh. Uh, who well, I think we're higher on than a lot, a lot of rankings. Um, yeah, you, you've watched a fair amount of him. I have as well. I really want your take on Parekh because I, I think we're on the same page regarding him.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I was kind of banging the table for Perek at four. Um uh, on our on our november board at Dauber. i oh, wanted him there at 4 a no, 3 sorry, sorry 3 yeah dickinson yeah. was third uh, He yeah, wanted dickinson him dickinson was third yeah I, want, yeah I want i want i wanted Perec over dickinson was my was was my 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 main take there i mm-hmm. think like as long as Perek was top five, I was relatively happy. But between the two OHL defensemen, who I've watched quite closely, both of them, both internationally and domestically, and I've caught a live viewing of Perek as well. Yeah. Uh, and I've been, and Dickinson last season too. I've watched him a lot. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of Sam Dickinson's. I think that he's an excellent prospect and uh, he's a lot safer of a pick than Zane Perek is. Yeah. Perek has an ability to dominate the game that I haven't seen from a, a draft eligible defenseman in the CHL in a while. Like yeah. even like going back to like I an mean, o- Olin Zellweger wasn't quite as dominant as a draft eligible Pavel Mintyukov maybe uh, around the same level. But even then, I think that Perek's <laughs> Offensive incursions are even more dominant than Mintyukov's were in his draft year. Now, Mintyukov yeah. had some physical tools that Perek lacks in that season, but uh, Perek is is a tremendous player, and and I've I've been a big fan of him uh, for a while now. I mean, he's still at third on my board at the moment, yeah, uh, which isn't necessarily set in stone at all. But he, he he's there tentatively in a tier that ranges down to sixth. But uh, I mean. I think with his game, I'm just so enamored with how he's able to leverage every single strength he has in his toolkit to create advantages offensively. He he knows exactly what his strengths are. He knows what his weaknesses are and he knows exactly how to mitigate those two in order to create advantages offensively and how to, play safely defensively he uses his skating so intelligently in all three zones he's hyper mobile like the four-way mobility is a big big strength with him and uh yeah like beyond just the high-end offensive skill that i could rave on about for ages Mm-hmm. there's an intelligence and an awareness and a composure to his game that you don't usually see in these like undersized offensive defensemen that, that are putting up gaudy point totals in the CHL. And yeah. I think that he's a, he's a very special talent and I've been watching him closely for over a year now, and he's been progressing steadily. I think, like the, the development curve is looking really nice there as well. And I don't really see a reason to take him outside my top five anytime soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us to Consta Hellenius uh, who has, officially made his way above cole eiserman in my rankings um the offensive brain on consta Hellenius, i will say this time and time again the way he thinks the game is ridiculously good and like he's not a he's not a player who exclusively relies on offense he's not a player who focuses on the offensive zone exclusively this is a, a really good defensive player a really good transition player a hard four checker with a high motor Like he's, I don't see any area of his game that I can look at and be like, yeah, this is a weakness. Whereas with Eisenman, everything except the shot, is kind of like, Ooh, you know? So it's like, they are two polar opposites in terms of, you know, the, the assessment of their strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, and and it's kind of the same for, for Luke Misa, who really surprised me with the skill and ability. I really thought this was going to be like at best, a late first rounder kind of like Owen Beck was last year. Um, but Misa has a level of paciness and processing to the game that you rarely see out of this kind of age group. Um, so he's kind of bolstered himself into the top 15 conversation for me as well. Um, so yeah, this is our batch of risers. Players didn't expect to be as high as they did either heading into this year or heading into this past month. Um, but now we'll get into our followers here. Some players who recently haven't performed up to par or that we expect it to be better than they are. We'll get into that right these messages from our sponsors over at Game Time. If you like to dig for last-minute deals on tickets, GameTime is the best place to get them. I use GameTime all the time. My schedule is very variable, so I don't really know when I'll get an afternoon free. And GameTime's been really reliable when I finally get an afternoon free out of nowhere, and I don't know what to do with my day. Just fire up GameTime. Within a couple minutes, I've got tickets. Within, you know... At the very last minute before the event, I'm able to get tickets, get to the get to the spot, scan my QR code, and I am in. Uh, Game time Ta- Game Time offers you great deals as well um, on the app, where you can get um, zone deals, for example. Where zone deals are basically that Game Time. Chooses the seat as long as you choose a section, and you get an average about eighteen percent of savings. And the game time guarantee makes sure that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what Game Time has to offer, Game Time will credit you one hundred and ten percent of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, very simple. Create an account, redeem code locked on NHL at, at checkout for $20 off your purchase. Download game time today, multi, last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, so moving on to some followers, we'll talk about some players we didn't really expect to um, either perform as, as inconsistently as it did this year or players that have dropped very recently in our rankings. Um we'll start with Cole Eiserman. I very much expected Cole Eiserman to be a lock for the top 2 and he actually is on a lot of rankings. Um a lot of a lot of uh, scouts overall think that Ishimen's goal scoring ability is game breaking and will overcome the um the lackings in the other areas of his game. What do you feel how do you, how do you feel about that?
1: I mean, it is an overwhelmingly good asset. And I think of all the tools to kind of go all in on and and bet the house on goal scoring ability, raw raw goal scoring ability, whether it be the shooting talent, the ability to find space, uh, the ability to just overall be a massive goal scoring threat and have opposing defenses uh, over commit to your side, opening up space passively for your teammates without you really having to do anything special. Is it I can understand it. I, I get I get it. I think that if Eisman had been able to up until this point in the season show that there was more diversity in what he's able to do, not necessarily what he does consistently, but what he's able to do even in high-end flashes would change my mind a little bit and would have me bumping him up a couple slots on my personal board. Yeah. But I haven't even seen any like high end playmaking flashes this season where you can kind of see all the cogs like in place and just want to put together that that hasn't been there in my viewings just yet. And maybe it comes further this season. Maybe it's been there this year, but I just caught some unfortunate viewings, but you've watched more of him than I have uh, so far and even though i mean i think mm-hmm. our entire scouting team's washed him a fair amount uh so far but uh yeah. what's what's your take on ishiman and just how good is that goal scoring skill that is so overwhelmingly like so overwhelming other boards
0: yeah i mean for me with ishiman you're probably talking about the you know, the second best goal scorer in the past two drafts with Connor Bedard. And I'm including like Adam Fantillion there. I'm including, you know, a lot of really good goal scorers last year and this year. His goal scoring ability is ridiculous. Like you said, the shot itself mechanically is fantastic. It puts a lot of power on it. But beyond that is the off puck movement, the ability to find space, the ability to create space for himself in the offensive zone that's great. My issue is everything that leads into the offensive zone is a red flag. And we've seen that story before. We've seen it with Alexander Holtz, who still to this day is struggling to find his niche with the New Jersey Devils and has struggled on almost every line he's played on. Um, Even though he's, he has, he has gotten some points. You haven't seen the 40 goal scoring potential with Holtz post draft yet. Um, And at the NHL level, it doesn't really look all that clear. Whereas in his draft here, you looked at a shot and it was just like, he's a great goal scorer with a ridiculously powerful shot and can move off the puck really well. He's clearly going to score a lot of goals. And there's there's so much more to the NHL game than that. You need to a lot of your goals at the NHL level start in the defensive zone unless you're taking an offensive zone faceoff. A lot of your plays start with good defensive positioning, good stick work in your in, in your own zone and especially awareness of lanes in transition. That's created so many goals for for these high end goal scorers. You look at the, you know, the Stamkoses and the Kucherovs and, you know, You look at the high-end goal scorers in the NHL, and they're they're not necessarily high-end defensive players, but they're not pure liabilities. Um, And they're especially able to string together plays and get the puck in the offensive zone in possession. Uh, They're able to participate in that happening, whereas I don't see that often from Eizerman. So that's my big concern with them. Um, But another follower we have in this list uh, would be Carter Yakimchuk. Um, I, headed, I headed into the 2023-24 season expecting Yakumchuk to be in the top 20 conversation for sure. In his, in his draft minus one, I was fairly impressed with the viewings that had gotten in on him. And this year, I just see a lot of chaos. He reminds me a lot of Cam Allen in that aspect, in that respect, of just like being really good in your, in your draft minus one, heading into your draft year, and trying to do way too much. And Yakumchuk has put his team in trouble a lot of times. He's getting he's getting penalty killing minutes and i i don't get it i'm sorry i just don't um so yeah it's it's been on and off with yakim check. I've, I've struggled a lot but like you look at the production and it's just off the charts right
1: yeah i mean it he has 13 goals and 33 points in 30 games so far this season which is uh very good if he were a forward and he's a defenseman so yeah, pr- like, production yeah. wise no complaints, and I mean the WHL is certainly not the easiest of the CHL leagues to put up those those gaudy point totals from the blue line. So yeah. it's it's been impressive in terms of the the offense for him. But I think, as you said, with the Cam Allen comparison, I I see a lot of similarities in yes, the chaos, the lack of composure, the spam shot button at, yeah. at the blue line every <laughs> single time the puck is within oh, eight yeah. feet of you. Uh, and that has definitely made it a bit more difficult uh, to project him as an NHL, like, impact piece with that style, and that said, there are some interesting raw tools with this player, and there's a reason that we had him shoot in as a likely top 20, top 25 player in this draft class heading into the season. I remember talking about him in the summer, and we kind of had had him more lined up as a hopefully steady force on the blue line, which you saw in some flashes last season. Of course, the offense has uh, kind of been more leaned into and his I mean production last year was good as well, but there, there, there are some tools in there that could make a solid defensive defenseman, but, What we hadn't quite clocked in our preliminary viewings was just how questionable the decision making on the puck is in his own zone under pressure, how the uh, defensive positioning is as a whole and his uh, tendency to overcommit when he does decide to, to, to be aggressive. And in other sequences, he's passive extensively. Like it has been very, very hit or miss for Carter Yakumchuk so far. And I know he's, he's uh, spurred some, some emotions among our scouting staff that have ha- yep. uh, been subjected to many viewings of his games this season. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he he's a player that that that's kind of fallen, as you said, a bit like Cam Allen due to a combination of good tools. Yes, but everything else is a massive question mark. And I think I'm curious to see where he ends up getting drafted because, in terms of profiles, I think that those two players are kind of similar in terms of NHL mm-hmm. projections, but yeah. the production is very different between the two, and the size is as well. So, whereas Cam Allen somehow fell down to the fifth round last year, which was an oh, like over overcorrection
0: like, for sure,
1: massive yeah. overcorrection should have been a top hundred p- pick at the very, very least. With Yakumchuk, just how high could he go? Uh, because he has like the profile of a top 20 pick still.
0: At least at least by NHL team standards, for sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of warts in this game. I wouldn't be surprised to see him um, kind of be a borderline top 10 pick uh, in this draft. And I think that it'll be very telling of the, the scouting staff. Um, not only the team that picks him, but the teams that are disappointed he's gone um but by 20 i think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to get a look at that uh but i want to close things off with aron kiviharu i think this is going to be a short one he just he's been good but he just suffered a major injury and that's going to affect his projection um really hard i wouldn't expect kiviharu to be able to um get his mojo back when he comes back if he comes back this season um which might make things a bit difficult um and already before the injury there were so, some concerns um he's fantastic probably the best defenseman in the draft on the breakout but there were some concerns yeah. with the defensive side of the game there were some concerns with his ability to play under physical pressure um but overall everything that has to do with receiving pucks behind the net and playing them out you're getting the puck out when Kevin Harris is there um <laughs> So yeah, I, I think he might he might continue to fall, and I think it's mainly going to be because you're not going to get a look at him at the World Juniors, not going to get a look at him at the U18 Worlds. Like It's going to be a while before he, he hits the ice again, and that affects your projection, that affects your upside, that affects a lot of things. But yeah, that wraps things up for uh, this second segment. We'll head into our third segment where we talk about the prospects from the 2024 draft. You need to keep an eye on at this World Junior Championship upcoming. Uh, we'll get into that right after these messages from our sponsors over at Fando.
1: As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in free bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. And you can use that on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. Whether you want to use them on betting on your favorite NFL team to win the Super Bowl this season or your least favorite NFL quarterback to throw three receptions in the next game, the choice is yours. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
0: All right, so let's close things off with the World Junior Championship 2024 NHL Draft Eligibles, and you need to keep a look on in this tournament. Um, there are a lot of interesting names, uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to kind of get started with Consta Hellenius because, as I mentioned, he's risen up my rankings, and I feel like the yeah. World Juniors is going to solidify that so well. Um, you know, I've already seen him ahead of the, the likes of Ivan Demidov and Cole Arzeman on some rankings, not a lot, but some rankings, um, mainly due to his, him just, I mean, basically tearing up the Liga in recent games. He's basically on a point per game pace over the last, last handful of games. So he's been playing extremely good hockey. Um, and yeah, what do you expect his role is going to be on, um, on this Finland roster? I think, I think second line center is basically a lock, right? I
1: would think at the very least, uh, with how he's been playing this year and the immature style that he plays the game with, I think that any coach is going to be pretty pretty enamored with just how intelligent he is, how adaptable he is, how he can play any role, be in any situation, uh, be on the ice stuck for two minutes and still be putting in a pretty good shift uh he's he's really really versatile which uh will definitely help his case and on top of that i mean this is a finland roster without the likes of brad lambert and joachim kamel uh so there's there's spots opening up that weren't there in previous seasons and uh there aren't that many slam dunk names to force their way in ahead of him he kind of has an opening to to forge himself that top six slot and i'm very curious to see what he's able to do with it because He's been playing some excellent hockey against professional competition this season, and he's back against his own age group here, and it's going to be fascinating to see just how dominant he can look.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great um, great opportunity for him to, to showcase what he can do. Um... You know, he's already playing so well against men. I can only imagine what he's going to do against these kind of lineups. It's going to be so fun to watch him play. Um, let's talk about Michael Branzak-Newgard again. Um, the yep. the big, Same vein, professional yeah. player playing good hockey.
1: That's going to look very good against junior competition.
0: Absolutely, and as of late, I mean, he had five points in his last eight games at the in the hockey Al-Svenska, and It's finally heated up for him after some really unlucky bounces. But you can look at his as, at his ice time and see that it never faltered. It never changed since the start of the year, which shows you how impactful he is away from the offensive zone in general. That allows him to consistently get back on the ice for the exact same amount of minutes that he started off with. Um, his his coaches never. Um, never made him write the pine, never dropped him from the top six, really, and, and just mainly continued believing in him, and it's been paying off recently. The bounces have been going in, and you can see how impactful this player is overall, and yes, he's going to play for Norway. Norway's going to have a lot of trouble putting goals in the, back, uh, in the back of the net, but Michael Bransack-Nugard could be a really interesting bright spot on that team that could turn some heads and finally get him in the top ten conversation on all rankings, because I've seen him outside the top 15 on some, and I don't get it. He fits the mold of NHL scouts dreams, essentially, just so well. He reminds me, I was talking about this as well on, on J.D. Young's podcast on Locked On Lockdown Sharks when I hopped on uh, as a guest, and we were talking about Michael Branzig-Newgard, and I realized he makes me think a lot about Cutter. Uh, he, he, he reminds me a lot of Cutter Goche in terms of a bigger player who doesn't get the recognition he deserves, goes and plays some really good tournaments, all of a sudden heads are turned, and he gets picked in the top five. I would not be surprised to see Michael branzak Newgard get picked around fifth overall, especially if he has a good tournament, because he just fits that mold of what NHL teams look for in a player just extremely well. And we talked about it last episode, could very well be one of the first from this draft year to make the NHL. Um, but moving on to emil hemming um yeah. who i didn't, i did not really expect to make this finland uh, forward roster until i saw the players that aged out and i was like yeah mm-hmm. they need they need a, a they need a scoring winger what do you expect from him in this year he's going
1: to get opportunities to put the puck in the net at the very least uh, that's what he does very well uh, he's yeah. a bit limited outside of that but i think the goal scoring ability uh if if he's shoot into top nine top six role at any point in this tournament you could see him get a couple goals in just by virtue of how good his shot is and he's he's lethal against his own age group against u20 competition in general with his release and with his shooting mechanics the power he's able to generate in tight is really impressive and uh yeah he, he's a very fun goal scorer and uh with Joachim kamal aged uh, not being released uh by the nashville predators yeah there's definitely space for uh for a strong goal score in finland's roster and of course there is casper Haltonen who's going to likely be the main uh such player in that yeah. roster but in terms of the the, the the second man up for that job i could easily see emil hemming being the being the, the the choice that the coaching staff goes with and I think that if he's able to score a couple goals, even if they may just be by virtue of how good his shot is and less so of how good his play at the tournament will, will be, you might see him bump up in some rankings just by virtue of putting up some points. So yeah. he's a, a dark horse of ours in terms of uh, of unexpected production, uh, because there is, as we said like earlier with uh, Consta Hellenius, there, there is space for young players to make an impact on this finished roster. They will be depending on young players taking some big steps in order to compete for the podium. And uh, Emil Hemming's an interesting one, but so is the last player in this segment, Vite yep. Vysonen. Talk me through him. What have you liked so far this season?
0: I've I've liked everything I've seen from Weissenden. Uh not to a point where I'd consider him kind of a lock for the first round. Uh, But definitely in the kind of 25 to 40 range, he is absolutely a a contender for that. Um, Faison is just so dependable. That's the main thing that stands out with him. It's just how dependable he is is for his age. Um, His mobility is fairly solid. His stick work is really good. Um, Beyond just closing gaps early, he closes them with the right timing, which is so important. He understands when and how to close a gap so that the player who's carrying the puck doesn't expect it. Um, I still want to see him layer stick and body a bit more um, with, with, and it's, it's usual for a lot of prospects. A lot of prospects usually either exclusively depend, defend with their sk- stick or just yeet their body around aimlessly until they hit something. Um, and, and learning to layer stick and body is something that takes a lot of time usually. And the players that have it already are like Sam Dickinson, who is one of the best defensive players I've I've ever seen come out of the draft. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be very exciting to see him at this tournament, to see how he performs. I'd expect him to play more in kind of a bottom six role. Um, uh, not a bottom six role, but a bottom payroll rather, um, with, with Vison. And he, he's going to be able to have a quiet, but impressive performance that I feel is going to impress a lot more. The, the scouting teams that have a finer eye that don't look for big performances that don't look, you know, that are able to identify the, the intricate details, You know, teams like Toronto could make a jump on him. Teams like, you know, uh, Tampa Bay might very much like Vicky Weissman. Minnesota, maybe? Minnesota could be another one, yeah. After their first round pick of last year, I think they need one of those. So, yeah. Um, That wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Lockdown Sports Today, um, their 24-7 news channel that keeps you updated on what's going on around sports. And make sure to tune in for our episodes next week as we continue our World Juniors coverage. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.